Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to know you, to serve you, to live for you, to walk with you, God. We ask you, Jesus, to bless this service today. We ask you to bless the Bible study, bless the morning service that follows. We ask you to bless all of our Sunday school classes that are in process beginning now. We ask you, Jesus, to bless each and every one here. Let thy word be a light under our feet, a lamp under our pathway. We glorify you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, greet them in Jesus' name. And tell them they look nice, as always, we always say. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I uh, want you to, I'm going to, uh, we're in the book of Daniel. We're studying the book of Daniel. And uh, Daniel will catapult us into the book of Revelation. And that's about where we are approaching that part of the study of the book of Daniel now. And uh, what I want to do here today is teach a lesson that is digressing a little bit from the book of Daniel in order to be able to understand some very key verses in the book of Daniel. And uh, I am going to uh, talk to you here something from my heart. I feel God has impressed me to teach on this lesson here today. And uh, I, uh, I'm going to show a chart up here and to help us to understand here uh, what we as Christians uh, have a right to and what the world cannot see or understand. And by that, maybe help us all to understand the advantage that we Christians have that the world does not have. Praise the Lord. I want you to look with me, if you would. Uh, I'm going to go to a verse of scripture here that's found in, in, uh, uh, that's found in Deuteronomy, rather. Deuteronomy 29 and uh, verse 29. The last verse in chapter 29 of Deuteronomy. And uh, I'm going to teach on the subject here today. What the prophets saw and did not see. What the prophets of the Old Testament saw and what they did not see. And I want you to go to this verse of scripture with me, if you would, please. This is 2929 of Deuteronomy. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And this was, of course, written in the Old Testament, and it was concerning Israel at that time, and it's concerning God's people, whatever the situation may be. But he simply says here uh, that the word of God, praise the Lord, uh, is there's the secret things of God. And I want to talk to you here today about the secret things of the Lord that God has uh, provided for us that we might know them. Uh, I want you to look with me in Proverbs 24, 2. This is a very, very important verse of scripture to me. I learned this very young in life, and I have it written in the flyleaf. There are key verses that I have written in the flyleaf of my Bible, and this is one of them. And uh, this is what it says in Proverbs 24, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings to search out a matter. The glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings. So that you and I, when we delve into the work of, of word of God, and we search things out, and we seek them out, it is an honor that kings have. 
kings have, that you and I are privileged to have, that God has allowed us to have when we love God and we love his word. Praise the Lord. Uh, A couple of verses I want to refer to here. And I want you to look here in uh, Matthew 13 and 10. Matthew 13 and 10 and 11. Uh, This coincides with the one in Deuteronomy that we just read to you here where it says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Look at Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10 with me. And the disciples came and said unto Jesus, him, Jesus, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, that is to his disciples, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. It's not given. So, and then the Lord went on to say, For to whom much is given, uh, this is verse 12, For whomsoever hath to him shall be given to him that hath shall be given more abundantly, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. And this is speaking about the faith. If we have faith, God will give us more faith. And he'll give us more understanding of things. Jesus said to the Pharisees one time, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. For they are they which testify of me. They are they which testify of me. The Pharisees did not believe the Old Testament scriptures testified of Jesus. And here he was among us, and he said, search the scriptures. But they were blinded. They did not see that. They did not understand that. One other verse I'm going to read to you here. This is one found in Romans. And I'm just showing you this because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let let every word be established. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the, t- the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. And then he goes on to say down in verse 33, All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now, what I want to do today is talk to you, and I've just, these are little preface scriptures that I've given you here. I want to get into my subject here. What the prophets saw and what they did not see and what the Lord wants you and I to understand. You see, what Christians, I think, do not understand is that we have an insight that God has allowed us to have that the world does not have. Everybody can read the Bible, but everybody does not grasp the depth that the word of God has in it. This is why the Holy Ghost is so important. The Bible says that when the spirit of light is come, it will lead and guide you into all truth. The spirit of God is that spirit of light. In that old tabernacle, when they walked in, there was three things in there. There was a table of showbread, which was the word of God, type of the word of God. But there was also the candlesticks that were lit and gave light to the, to the, uh, to the tabernacle on the inside. And it was a type of the spirit of God. Spirit of God gives light to the word of God, that we understand the word of God. Praise the Lord. So I want to get into uh, some things here today and try to help us all to understand here uh, what the Lord had to say about all these things and how that the prophets desired to know what you and I have, but they did not have that understanding. They prophesied and spoke about things, and I'm going to give you a diagram here in just a moment. 
Uh, I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 17. 13, 17. Then I'm going to show a chart on the board here for you to give you some help us to understand what we're talking about. Look at 13, 17 of Matthew. I think I was just in 13 there and read verses uh, 10, 11, and 12. Look in the 17th verse. He says, For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. And then in conjunction with that, I'm going to read a verse over found over in 1 Peter 1 and 10. If you look in 1 Peter 1 10, and this is where this is confirmed in the epistles as well. He says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Praise the Lord. And so the Bible says in Second Peter, 121, I won't read that one, says, but it just says that the, uh, the Spirit of God was in the prophets and the holy men of old spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost, moved on by the Spirit of God. So those prophets, when God moved on them, they would speak and prophesy. But they did not always understand what they were prophesying and what they were saying and, and presenting and putting forth, praise the Lord. And so uh, they desired to see what you and I have but they did not see it. They did not see it. Neither did the angels. This here in Second Peter, First uh, Peter, where I'm reading verse 10 and uh, 11. Look down in verse 12 at the very end of verse 12. This is First Peter, uh, 1:12. If you look at that verse, and if you look at uh, the very end of it, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they were did minister the things which are now reported by you. This is a uh, First Peter one twelve. Now reported unto you by them that have. I want you to going down to the bottom of this verse. There's got to be more to it than that. Go ahead a little bit further. Wait a minute. Wherefore gird up? Wherefore gird up? Preach the gospel unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us. They did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. That latter part's what I want. This is where I'm trying to get to. Which things the angels desire to look into. The angels desire. So what you and I have, the angels even desire to look into them. And this is where I was trying to get to that last line there. And verse 12 is a very long verse and I was trying to skip it so I could get to that bottom line there. Now, I want to show you this chart here and uh, try to help you to understand. I'm going to teach on this and uh, sort of show us what the prophets did see. Can everybody see that chart? Now here, I'm going to explain it to you here. This is, represents the prophets of the Old Testament. Now these mountain peaks represent the things that they saw. Represents the things that they saw. Uh, this one is the birth of Christ. They saw the birth of Christ. They saw Calvary. They saw Calvary. Two prophets prophesied of Calvary. One was Isaiah that's found in Isaiah 53. Also is found in also in Psalms 22, but, uh, we'll, it doesn't mention about Jesus in that sense of the word. 
Daniel speaks specifically about Calvary, and he speaks about it being the Messiah. And then they they did not see uh, the the uh, Jesus ascension, but they did see the coming of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to touch on these three things here and show you here. These were the things that they saw, and show you then what they did not see. Everybody, still with me? All right. Uh, I want you to go with me, if you would, please, to uh, over to the book of Isaiah. Let me show you what uh, they saw in the sense of Jesus' birth. Okay, this is the prophecies of Jesus' birth. Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah 7.14. If you'll turn to that verse of scripture, here it is. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign... Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, two things are very important in this verse of Scripture. In the Old Testament, prophesying about the birth of Jesus. One, he would be born of a virgin. Okay? And that is exactly what did happen. So when the Jews of the Old Testament read this, they'd have to say when the Messiah comes, he's going to be born of a virgin. That means he will be born. That means he's going to be a baby. Okay? So those things are all identified in this verse of scripture. And then it says, and, 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 and she shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. So this verse here implies that that would be a boy baby born and that he would be born of a virgin and that it would be God with us. So Jesus would be God with us when he came. Everybody stay with me. This is a prophecy. Uh, of that birth of Christ. Now look at Isaiah 9, 6. Just turn over. You're in chapter 7 there. Look in chapter 9, verse 6. This is one that we all know quite well. And I think we're all very familiar with it. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is a confirmation to the things that we just looked at there in chapter uh, chapter 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. And then it really identifies who Jesus would be when he would come. That is the Messiah, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We know Jesus to be the Prince of Peace. I'm showing you here that in that Old Testament, when the Messiah would come, if the Jews knew who the Messiah was, they would know it was God with them. They would know that it was the Father manifest in flesh. They would know it was the mighty God and it was the the everlasting Father that was in their midst. Amen. Now I'm going to give you one other verse of Scripture. This is the one, of course, that uh, Herod's, uh, whenever the wise men came looking for Jesus, the Herod's wise men said to Herod, this is what you show them and this is where Jesus is born. And, of course, that's the one that's found uh, in Micah. I believe it's in, uh, uh, it's in Micah 5.23, if you look at that verse of Scripture with us. Micah 5.23. <clears throat> and uh, one of the minor prophets, seemingly insignificant, but very important. And it's in chapter 5, verse 2. Micah 5.2. It says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Bethlehem was the little town in Judea. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, 
whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And this identifies him again as God. Everybody see what I'm talking about? So the place that he'd be born, how he would be born, born of a virgin, that he'd be born a child, boy, baby, born in this world. This is how Jesus would come. So the prophet saw the birth of Christ, the birth of Christ. And then we have, I think, three different ones here that identifies that. Now, they also saw the death of Christ. They also saw the death of Christ. I, uh, I want you to look at this, these verses. Look in Isaiah 53, 8 for a moment with me. Isaiah 53, 8. And uh, Isaiah 53, if you don't have it marked in the Bible, please mark it. This is the scene of the crucifixion of Christ. Isaiah 53. And it goes on to describe Jesus in his, in that deplorable state of being tried, condemned, and crucified. And uh, it describes him, and it goes on to say in more than one scripture here, that he was stricken, he was smitten, and so forth for our iniquities, not for himself, for our iniquities. Uh, verse 4, for instance, surely he hath borne our griefs and cured our sorrows, and so forth. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and so forth. Now go down to verse 8. I'm going to save time here by reading the key verses here about his death. This is what it says. He was taken from prison. This is verse 8 now, 53, 8. And from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off. Now that word cut off means he was killed. Always in the Bible it means he was killed. Everybody with me on that? Cut off. He was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Verse 9. And he made his grave. In other words, he would be killed. And he would be grave put in a grave. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And of course, we all know that he died between two thieves. One, one was a thief and one was a murderer. And he died between those two. So he, his grave was with the wicked. They were buried as well. And the rich, or Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man, gave Jesus his tomb that he had prepared for himself. And uh, three days later, Jesus gave it back to him. <laughs> Can I just say that? Amen. Jesus never takes anything from me. He doesn't give back. Just remember that. Praise the Lord. Amen. If he ever takes anything, he gives it back. Praise God. And he didn't, didn't take it. They gave it to him. And uh, whatever you give God, he'll give it back to you. I promise you. Praise the Lord. So uh, it says here that uh, it is grave that the wicked and the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit found in his mouth and so forth. Uh, one other verse I want to show you, and that's the one that's found in Daniel. And Daniel specifically names this to be the Messiah. And if you'll go to the book of Daniel chapter uh, 9 for just a moment with me. Daniel 9. And uh, I want you to look at the 26th verse. And we've already talked about this to some of you. I'm just going to read this one verse, verse 926, the very beginning of it. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. And he names the Messiah here. Shall Messiah be cut off. And that's all he says about it. But Daniel also speaks about the death of Jesus and so forth. So Isaiah spoke of him. Also, I won't go to Psalms 22, Psalms 22, but Psalms 22 is also a chapter about the crucifixion of Christ 
And David wrote it when David felt what Jesus felt on the cross. Isaiah describes how he looked if you were standing down below and you were looking at the whole scene and it all unfolding. Uh, in, in Psalms 22, it describes the Messiah on the cross, how he felt what he was going through, his suffering. It starts out in Psalms 22, 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's what it says. And it's spoken in pure Hebrew. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted is, my God, my God, why hast thou, uh, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus said that he died the death of a sinner for you and me. That's a message in itself. He took upon himself our sins. And he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Because he died the death of a sinner that did not, would not know God when he took upon himself all of our sins. Of course, he was God manifest in flesh. And it was not the spirit that died. It was the flesh or the man, Christ Jesus, that died on the cross. And so he said those words, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me and he said it in pure hebrew in the in the early in the uh, church age they spoke aramaic that's why they said what did he say he's calling on eli who's eli you know they didn't know what he was saying because he was speaking pure hebrew the pure hebrew that's found in psalms 22 1 that was spoken of when david by david whenever he was moved on by the holy ghost and felt all of that and began to write about it well i'll leave that and move on here but there's much to understand about uh, psalms 22 and one, and right on down through that, talked about how they pierced my hand, they pierced my feet, and so forth. And uh, so it talks about how that Jesus experienced those things. Amen. So here are places that talks about the crucifixion of Christ. I'm going to move on here. The prophets also saw the pouring out of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They saw that. Uh, let me have you go to Joel, uh, Joel 2:28, and uh, I want you to. Uh, Look at this verse with us, Joel 2.28. In fact, you're right there. Daniel's not very far past Daniel. Joel 2.28, and many of you will recognize this because it was repeated by Peter in the book of Acts. So here's what he says here in Joel 28. In 2.28 and 29, I'm going to read these verses. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh... And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Notice here, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That means all kinds of mankind. That means all flesh here doesn't mean everybody. It means all different nationalities of people, tribes of people, backgrounds of people, whoever they are. Tall, short, skinny, fat, you name it. I mean, every kind. Black, white. If you want to get into colors, uh, Europeans, Asians, uh, Middle Easterns, Africans, everybody. And it shall come to pass, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And this is what Peter said when he spoke to those Jews on the day of Pentecost he says that this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel saying, and he repeats all of this over in the book of Acts. And so he speaks about the, so Joel saw the coming of the Holy Ghost and he prophesied about it. Uh, another prophecy about that is also found 
uh, in Isaiah 28:11. Let me read this to you. This is very interesting. Very interesting for you folks that don't believe that tongues is necessary a part of the baptism of the Holy Ghost or is with the Holy Ghost. The Bible said, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other places it says, if that spirit that dwelt in Christ, this is all in Romans 8, I think 28 and, and 31. And if that spirit that was in Christ dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal body. Quicken means make alive. So we've got to have the Holy Ghost in us to be able to go into rapture. Everybody with me on that? I'm just throwing, I'm throwing in some tidbits here for us. Amen. So look at this verse of scripture, verse 2811. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they, that is the Israel, would not hear. That is Israel as a nation rejected what Jesus brought. And they rejected ultimately as a nation. They rejected the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the uh, salvation, even though there were 3,000 on the day of Pentecost that were saved, and the church grew, and their church in Jerusalem was 5,000 strong. As a nation, as a nation, Israel ultimately rejected the teachings of Christ. Now, one other thing that I'm going to mention here, and then I'm going to show you another chart real quick. If you look over here, you'll see that they also, the prophets also saw the Antichrist. But not prophets, there's only one that saw the Antichrist, and that was Daniel. Daniel's chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, describes the Antichrist. That's the first place in the Bible that you find where the Antichrist is mentioned, where it talks about the ten horns, and then it talks about the little horn. And that's found in Daniel chapter 7. It goes on to describe the Antichrist there. Then in chapter 8, it describes the Antichrist. And then in chapter uh, nine, it describes the Antichrist, and then chapter 11, extensively it describes the Antichrist. But Daniel is the only prophet that described it. This is what the prophets saw. They also saw Armageddon. That's when the Lord comes back, not here at birth, born as a baby in a manger, not to come the first time and to grow up and to be crucified, but he would come back in great power and great glory. And they saw that, okay? So the prophets saw, and this is recorded extensively. Zechariah 14 described uh, this Armageddon extensively. Isaiah describes it throughout the book of Isaiah. It's found uh, in the book of Joel, another place, and so forth. I won't go into detail on that, only to say that basically this is what the prophets saw. They also saw what followed Armageddon. I don't have it in this chart, but that is the thousand years of peace that would follow there. Now, I'm going to show you now what they did not see. Everybody with me? Take a good look at this chart because I'm going to blow it up. I'm going to enlarge it. And this is what they did not see. They did not see the church age right here. Now, here's the prophet, and he sees the birth of Christ, Calvary, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And they look on over it, and they did not see the ascension of Christ. They did see the Antichrist. This is what they saw, but they did not see this in here. You understand what I'm saying? This is just a chart of man's drawings to help us to understand here uh, this, this whole understanding of it. They did not see the church age. That's why it says that the prophets desired to see into it. They had no understanding of how long it would be. It would be like... Uh, it would be like they saw here, and then the next thing they saw was, was the Antichrist coming. 
And this is what we saw on that first chart. Let me just hold my place there and flip this back. They saw this. They saw the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And then a short, little short period of time in here, and then the Antichrist comes. But they did not see this long period of time in here and had no understanding that it would be such a period as long as 2,000 years. Not even the apostles. Not even the apostles knew how long it would be. They just knew. That's why they talked about Jesus coming back soon. You know, he would, the Lord's coming back soon. They did not know and everything. And it was not for them to know. Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour of the coming of the Lord. That's why these, 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 these preachers, and a lot of them's on TV and stuff, they want to tell you when Jesus is coming back. And I've been hearing that stuff. I mean, I've been saved for 60 years and I've been, I've been, I've been hearing it for, I don't know, for years. And they'll, they'll just yak, 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 yak. And people will send them money and they'll buy their books and, and these people get rich and everything. And then all of a sudden that date comes and you don't hear a squat out of them. They're, they're off TV. They're gone. They're, they're, they've taken a cruise ship around the world or something. I don't know. They're just vacationing everything. And then about two years later, they'll crop up and then they'll set another date and everything. Now, you don't think I'm kidding. I, I'm telling you the truth. But nobody knows the day or the hour. One guy said, nobody knows the day or the hour, but we know, uh, we know the month. You know, no, you don't know that day or the hour means nobody knows when it's going to happen. That's why we need to walk with God every day. That's why you go to church all the time. That's why you worship the Lord and you praise God and you walk with Him and you believe in it, the Lord, because one day, one day He'll come at a time when you think not, the Bible says, the Lord will come. Praise the Lord. And so we just never know when he's going to come. But we know from hindsight, since we're living now in the year 2000, and this is measured from the birth of Christ, not from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So we know that it had been for 2,000 years. And there is one scripture in Hosea 6-2. And, G, and the Jews are the time clock. The Jews are the time clock, not the church. The Jews are the time clock. And it says that Israel shall be blinded for two days, and on the third day I'll raise them up. Hosea 6, give us Hosea 6 too. Here we go. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. This is speaking about Israel. Two days. The Bible says of another scripture, I think it's in Second Peter, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so a thousand years as one day with the Lord. So if you look at this, you know it wasn't two 24-hour days. After two 24-hour days, he will revive us. Israel is still, you know, they're still, in, they're still not saved as a nation. I mean, they're still scattered all over the world. So we know that this is speaking of, you know, dispensational days, they call it. Uh, Jesus, the Lord told Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. They ate the fruit. The sun went down, came up the next day, and they were not dead. They lived. It wasn't a 24-hour day that God was talking to them about. It was a dispensational day. Adam lived to be 930 years, almost a thousand, but never past a thousand. Nobody ever lived beyond a thousand because in the day, the dispensational day of a thousand years. That's why Peter says that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years as one day. So we know, we know in hindsight, now knowing where we are now, that this is probably, that was probably referring to this period of time here of 2,000 years, and Israel still is not revived as God will revive them and bring them back into his grace. Amen. Praise God. I, I want to show you a verse of scripture here to help you to understand how that those prophets did not see the church age. 
I want you to go with me, if you would, in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Isaiah 61, 1. And uh, look at Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And I want you to look at this very closely. Follow me very closely on this. Verse 60, chapter 61, verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, I want you to also, keeping your hand in that place, I want you to go over to Matthew here. Uh, and I want you to look with me in, uh, in Luke, it is, Luke 4. Look at Luke 4.16. I think Matthew records it as well. But uh, this is the, the, sort of an abbrevi- abbreviation of it. This is Luke chapter 4. Look at 16 and 17 with me. Starting in 16, and he came to Nazareth, speaking about Jesus and his earthly ministry. Everybody stay with me on this. Don't let your minds wander on this and stay with me on this. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the seventh day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. That's what we just got through reading over here. The book of Isaiah or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where he was, where it was written. And Jesus says these words and he's quoting from Isaiah now. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And verse 20 says, and he closed the book. Everybody with me? He went through the part that says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Now, when you read in Isaiah, it says in verse 61, 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm back in Isaiah 61, 2. I want you to see this. Thank you. And to proclaim the acceptable, verse 2, to, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our Lord. But Jesus never read that. You know why? Because Jesus knew he had not come to bring vengeance. That was for a different period of time. That would be at Armageddon over my pen's pointing way over here to the end. That'd be way over here at the end. Jesus had come as a savior. He has come as a healer. He had come as a deliverer. But in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah never saw the the space between uh, that in that second verse to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. That word and, and is a broad word. It covers this entire period of time in here. And this is found in the scriptures in many, in numerous places where they would see a Jesus coming. They would see certain things. 
just like they saw the falling of the Holy Ghost, but they never saw any for beyond. And beyond that, they just saw uh, some tribulation period finally coming and, and uh, the Antichrist and so forth. And so this is what Jesus revealed. He revealed that he had not come to do the latter part. And he closed the book. And over in the book of Luke, where that's recorded, it says here that he closed the book. I'm reading here in, uh, in verse 20. And he closed the book and he gave it unto the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Wow. He, he didn't read all of it. Is that what they looked at him about? Or was it because he was identifying himself as being the one who had come? And I think that's what it really was referring to. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that these scriptures that show us the coming of Christ the first time, sometimes we're tied with him coming the second time. And he hasn't come yet that way. I hope I'm not too far over your heads with this, but I'm showing you some things that God allows us, who are God's people, to understand that the world does not understand about the things of the Lord. Uh, we were talking about uh, Joel, Joel 2, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Go back to that chapter a minute. Let me read that to you. Let me go back to Joel uh, chapter 2. Let me see if I can find it myself. Boy. Let's see here if I can find it. Joel 2. Okay. Look at Joel 2.28. I'm going to read this verse of scripture. This is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. This is what Peter said. This is that the, spoken of the prophet Joel said, I'll pour out my spirit. Everybody with me on that one? I'm using this as another example to go along with the one I just used there in Isaiah and in Luke. He says here in Joel 2.28, And it came to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your eyes, your sons and your daughters should prophesy, and your old men should dream dreams, and young men should see visions. And also upon the service, upon the handmaids in those days that I pour out my spirit. We know he's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost here. And then look at verse 30. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. I don't remember that happening after the Holy Ghost was poured out in the early days of Pentecost. In the early days, I mean, of the church. Look at verse 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here today? I'm, I'm really hoping that you are. I'm trying to say that the prophets never saw this church age period of time. But they saw the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And then they, they saw this tribulation period tied in with the coming of the Antichrist. And that's why that when you read it in Joel, that's what Joel saw. Because God did not let him see the church age you say, why? That's God's privilege. God wanted, I guess, to give us Gentiles plenty of time to be saved. He knew the world was, you know, was populated all over. And the Lord said, this gospel shall be preached in all the world. Then shall the end come. Jesus told him that. It's going to be preached in all the world. Then shall the end come. And when you read the teachings of Christ, he talks about these things all happening. And then all of a sudden, he's in the end time. He's talking about the end time. And what I'm trying to point out to you here is that basically this period of time here was not seen or understood by the prophets. But you and I have an understanding of these things so that we understand scriptures that tell us about, you know, the coming of Christ the first time, the, the, the Holy Ghost. Uh, Daniel saw the destruction of Jerusalem. 
and they saw the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And then it was suddenly they were there with the Antichrist. Now go to Daniel 9.27. Go to Daniel 9.27. 26. Let me read 26 to you. I realize that I am teaching some uh, depth here. And I hope it's not something that's humble jumble with you. I really pray that it's uh, something that we can all get a handle on. But look at, uh, go to Daniel chapter uh, 9. And we talked about Daniel chapter 9. And how that the angel came and explained to Daniel that 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. 62 weeks and then 7 weeks and so forth. And it goes right on down through verse 26. I'm going to read verse 26 to you. And it says, and after, after four, three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. That's the death of Christ. Everybody with me on that? That's the death of Christ. Then he goes on to say, but not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come. That's Titus, the Roman prince, the son of Vespasian. Vespasian was the general who had been made suddenly to be the emperor of Rome. Nero had died or killed himself. And, uh, and so they called him from uh, way over in Palestine and said to Vespasian, come back to Rome. We want to make you the emperor. And when he did, he said to Titus, his son, you take over the army and finish the job that I was going to do. And that is march down through Israel, conquer all of its cities, and last of all, take Jerusalem. Because that'll give Jerusalem time to wake up and know that I, that, that this, this is going to happen. And so that was, that was his whole objective by doing it in the manner he did. So Titus was the prince. All of that was prophesied before Titus was ever thought about. Before Vespasian was ever thought about. Isn't that amazing how the word of God is so on target with everything? And so he says here in verse 26, I'm going to read it again. After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come. And the people were the Romans, the Roman army. The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. It doesn't say the prince destroyed the city or the sanctuary. It was the people that came with him that did it. And, and in the book of Josephus, Josephus records, I remember reading it for the first time in my life. And I couldn't hardly believe it. I said, that is so much in line with the Bible. I can't believe that this guy who was not that... He was not a Christian. He was just a Jew recording history. And how he records it, he says that whenever the Roman army came into Jerusalem, they went mad. They had been held out, held off for so long, they went crazy. And when they came to the temple, they went in and they began to tear it apart. And this is what Josephus says. He says that Titus stood out in the middle of the, of the front of the temple and he yelled, and said, do not touch the temple. I want to preserve this building. Don't touch it. And yet Jesus has said, not one stone shall be left upon another. Remember that? Jesus said that. And so here's Titus, the prince that would come. And it doesn't say the prince shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. It says the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the sanctuary and the, the city and the sanctuary. And those soldiers, Josephus said it was as though they never heard him. Uh, Titus called his generals in. He said, tell your men to stop tearing down the temple. And the generals began to try to enforce it. And those men were were like wild. And then suddenly the gold in the temple began to melt. And it began to run down the crevices between the stones. 
and that gold in those stones made them wild. And they started tearing the stones apart to get to the gold, trying to get to the gold that was melting and then free, you know, hardening as it went down. And so, and the prophecies of Jesus came to pass. Not one stone should be left upon another and everything. And here it is, here it is right here in, in Daniel, spoken of 500 years before it happened. He says here, nearly 600 years. He says here, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And it was. Well, 1,100,000 Jews died in that Jerusalem activity. They had had many Jews who had fled there and felt secure within its walls. And they were they also they had feast days going and so forth. And all those Jews were in there, and they record that there was uh, 1,100,000 Jews that died, and later many of them taken captive and taken out into Egypt and sold into slavery and everything. And it says, the end thereof should be with a flood, and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. That place was just tore down, the city, the, the temple, and everything prophesied here in Daniel, spoken of by Jesus. Not one stone shall be left on another. They said, Lord, look at this. His disciples, Jesus' disciples said, Lord, look at this temple. Isn't this a beautiful temple? And he said, not one stone shall be left upon another. And then he prophesied about all these things that was going to happen. Jesus prophesied about it. And it was all, and Daniel had already spoken about it here. Now, here's where I'm going. The next verse, verse 27, look at that. He spoke about the destruction of, of, of Jerusalem that happened in 70 AD. And he says here in verse 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. He, who is he? It wasn't Jesus. Jesus. He, 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 and then in the midst of the week, he shall cause sacrifice and oblation to cease. Jesus never did that. Oh, well, that means Titus, the, the prince, shall do that. The, the prince. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Titus never confirmed any covenant with the Jews. He laid him waste and walked back and then left and went back to Rome. And when his father died, he took over the throne. He was, he was became emperor for a very short time, just a couple of years. Then he goes on to say here, and I'm going to finish reading here, uh, and he shall be for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause sacrifice of oblation to cease. One, the week, now remember, is a, is a period of seven years, the week of years, not the week of days. We've already talked to you about that. He shall cause sacrifice of oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate even more so, even unto the consummation of that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And what you have here in the 22nd verse is that you have the Antichrist. So what happened here was that Daniel, in looking at this scene, never saw the church age, but he saw, he saw the coming of Christ, he saw the crucifixion of Christ, and the destruction of Jerusalem, and then he saw the Antichrist. It came like all together. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that verse 27, between verse 26, 27, is the church age for a period of 2,000 years. And I tell you all of that so that when you look at it, we understand. We said, okay. And then when you start reading all these other verses of Scripture that's found over in verse 11, chapters 11 and chapters 12 and also chapter 10, and you tie them all together, then you understand it's all talking about the Antichrist. When you start talking about the Antichrist at the end time, you say, well, dear Lord, that's what that's all about. That's about the Antichrist coming. And then at the end, it says he will set himself up uh, to be worshipped as God in the temple of God. And that's how they know that the temple is going to be built one day. 
Well, there's a lot to learn. Amen. A lot to know. God bless you. You've been such a good class. I appreciate you so much. I know I was wading in deep water here today. God bless you. Let's stand together and just worship God and lift our hands and praise him right now. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your blessings and good.